Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett, internationally recognized branding consultant and best-selling author of the books, Move the Ball and Dominate the Game. By having a relentless mentality, I've pushed boundaries and gotten into rooms with pro athletes and power players, built a successful business, and moved the ball in male-dominated industries. Now, I'm using my same of the ball methodology to help thousands of people dominate their game when it comes to their brands and creating opportunities. This podcast is all about uncovering strategies of the world's best athletes and business leaders to help you get to that next level. Join me in conversations that will elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hello, and thanks so much for joining me today. I'm excited to have you back for another episode, one that is very different than all the other episodes that we have done on this show. Real quickly, though, if you haven't already done so, be sure that you follow the podcast and also share the show with some friends, family, colleagues, and coworkers, too. Today, we're mixing it up, and I am super pumped up for this. I got some feedback from someone who frequently listens to the show, suggesting that I actually be interviewed on an episode. And so on today's show, you're going to hear me answer questions. And one of my wonderful podcast teammates, the amazing Amanda Lund, who is a brand strategist, is going to interview me. On today's show, you're going to hear me share my thoughts on what characteristics make an organization thrive, as well as some thoughts and tips on how you can move the ball as a leader, and also some considerations when it comes to when you should be looking to make a career move for your continued professional growth. You'll also get to hear my answers to the two-minute drill questions some of which may surprise you. You ready? Here we go. Hey, Amanda, I am so excited to be doing this with you. I am really, really thankful that someone reached out to me suggesting that we do this interview-style conversation where you're going to be interviewing me today. So the first question I have for you before we get into that is, are you ready to move the ball? Absolutely. I can't wait to get started. When I was thinking about what we could possibly talk about. I was thinking about all of the content that you have been creating for individuals who are working on networking and moving their career forward. But I wanted to kind of take a minute and see what you thought about how leaders are creating organizations that these motivated individuals can actually thrive in. Oh, I love it. I think it's a great topic. It's perfect for today. It's helping people to move the ball and organizations to move the ball and elevate and dominate their game is the objective. So let's do it. Awesome. Well, why don't we start and just, in your opinion, what do you think are some key factors that enable individuals to thrive within an organization? That's a really great question. And there's a few things that come to mind just off the top of my head. The first is culture. As a leader, it's really important to make sure that you're setting the right tone for your employees where they feel like they are coming to work, whether they're virtual or they're hybrid or they're in the office the entire week. It's really about making sure that people feel like they can come to an environment where they have the autonomy that they need. They have the tools, they have the resources, the systems to get their job done. They also have a clear understanding of what's expected of them. And then also it's about making sure that there is an open environment for communication, for having discussions, for bringing ideas forward, but also 
for having what I like to say are healthy debates. When I was working at GE, one of the things I really admired about the company is you could have these meetings where people had very different viewpoints, but they were able to communicate them and they could be opposing viewpoints at times. And you could talk through different things, have differences of opinion and talk through the issues or whatever the topic is in a way that people didn't feel like they were attacked. It was very professional. And at the end of the day, what ended up happening was there was a better outcome or resolution because people were sharing their perspectives. And I think that part is so very important where people feel like they can come to work and express their viewpoints or their expertise, which might be different than someone else's, and you can hash it out. And it's not in a threatening way or people don't feel like their feelings are hurt or anything like that. Oh, yeah, that's so important. And, you know, one of the biggest challenges I feel is teaching people how to do that on an individual level. So what do you think are some ways that leaders can actually provide those frameworks or those strategies for people to learn how to communicate that way, to not attack others when being presented with ideas that maybe don't sit right with them and to process that conflict that's bound to happen when you bring multiple minds together into the same space? Well, it really comes with valuing every member of the team and recognizing that people have different experiences. That That's what makes them diverse. And we appreciate and respect that diversity of perspectives and experiences. And when you can have people focused on, hey, this is all about the business objectives and we are a team. And so people, when I was working at GE, we recognize that everyone's in their lane doing their different things. They have different pieces of information that we might not have. And so it's really valuing every single member of the team and having that respectful dialogue. So it really is on the leadership to create that environment where people feel comfortable to bring their opinions known. And of course, there's going to be some people that might be more soft-spoken and might not want to say something, but it's making them feel comfortable for when they feel like they should chime in. They are ready to engage and have those conversations. And so that's one thing I would say. I mean, General Electric was known for a long, long time as being the gold standard, world-class back in the Jack Welsh days. And it really came down to people respecting one another and appreciating diversity and you know, including people into conversations. Even if you knew there was going to be a point of contention, instead of avoiding that, it was like, let's hash it out now and let's figure it out because we knew that in the long run, it was going to be the best plan forward for the team. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So what do you think are some common barriers or challenges that individuals might face when they're trying to thrive within an organization? That's a great question. So one of the things that especially in bigger companies, but not only in big companies, is thriving in the matrix. You have a matrix organization, so you might not have any direct reports, but you have a scope of responsibility and you don't control the other people from an authoritative standpoint. So trying to get them to do the work is challenging sometimes because they have competing interests. They have other people that are leaning on them. There's a number of reasons. And so really, it comes down to building relationships. I talked about this also on my podcast episode on effective networking strategies. It's about building genuine, authentic relationships with people that you work with. And when you do that and you connect with people on human levels, it's not just about the job. Yes, at the end of the day, you're all there to achieve business objectives. 
But at its core, people are people. And so when you can build quality relationships with people that are in different teams in the organization, we talk about how people work with cross-functional teams or multidiscipline teams, but those people don't work for you or work for your boss. So you're working with individuals that are taking direction from other people. And so when you can build that connectivity and that trust and respect and inclusiveness, that's a really important one is including people in conversations, then it's easier to thrive because you've built this rapport and people want to work together. So I would say that's one. Another thing that people might struggle with is their connection to purpose. If the leadership has not done a good job of explaining the organization's purpose or the reason why the organization is heading in a specific direction. So I think that communication and alignment to the strategic objectives at all levels within the organization is key. And if people don't have that, then it's harder for them to understand why they're doing something, especially if you're in an organization that is looking to do things differently and institute change. Some people roll a change easily. Others are more resistant. And when they understand that connection to the why and the purpose, then it makes it easier to thrive and to go in a new direction. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, one of the most important things that we talk about, like one of the reasons why people want to thrive within an organization is because the organization itself is thriving, right? So what characteristics would you look for in an organization that you would define as thriving? I would say, so going back to the culture piece, you've got an organization where the leaders bring positive energy. So as leaders, we always need to be mindful of the energy that we are giving off because that energy is infectious. So I would say an organization that is thriving is one that is full of positive energy, that is innovative, of course, and creative in their approaches. But that, I mean, I think everyone knows that you've got to have that to be in business and to really move the ball and to dominate and be elite in your field. So it's not just about innovation, but that is important. But it's also about driving accountability, having the critical conversations that need to be made, making the tough decisions. I actually, I just did an episode on the show about 10 ways to be mentally tough. In there, I talked about making tough decisions because it's hard for people that don't have that courage or are indecisive to make those tough calls. Leaders and thriving organizations, they trust their gut, which is something I also talked about on that episode, and they make the tough decisions that need to be made. They don't wait. It's about taking data, making those data-driven decisions, not getting stuck in analysis paralysis, and then making a decision and going. Sometimes those decisions are easy. Sometimes they're tough, but you've got to make those calls. And I think organizations that are able to make those decisions that enable their people to be autonomous and make decisions when they have authority to make certain levels of decisions, that those people feel empowered to do that is important as well. We all know about micromanaging and how that is not a good style. And so organizations that are stuck in that micromanagement level are ones that I would characterize are not thriving organizations. So really one that is doing well is one that empowers their people, that drives accountability, that connects them to that purpose, like I talked about earlier, and that aren't afraid to try new things and push boundaries to get to where they want to go. The other thing that's important too is they are always willing to evolve as market dynamics change because you've got to, as we know, you've got to move with the way your market is moving or else you're not going to be around for long. No, that makes so much sense. 
Do you have any examples of organizations that really put their purpose first and are able to communicate that, like have done that really well with their people? Yeah, I'll give you an example, not with a client that I've worked with, although I could, but what I want to share is one that was really, really well done, in my opinion, in my corporate experience. So I mentioned already that I used to work for GE. When I was working in their aviation business, I've been in a couple different business units with that company. But when I was working in aviation, there was a division called Aviation Systems, and the company spent a ton of money hiring some consultants to come up with their purpose statement because they really wanted employees to feel connected to what the mission was and the products and services that the company brought to their customer base. And so the purpose statement ended up being, we invent the future of flight, we lift people up, and we bring them home safely. Now it's been, gosh, gosh, I don't know, let's see, 2017 when I left. So six years ago since I've worked for them, but I still remember that purpose statement, because it's one that I really connected with as someone who spent many years in the aviation industry. I mean, that's really what we're doing in aviation is we're lifting people up. And GE is an innovative company, so they're inventing the future of flights. And then it's all about bringing people home safely. As you know, while the chances of getting in a plane crash are a lot less than an automobile accident, the devastating effects of one of those accidents is a lot more. Right. And so you really take safety seriously when you're in that industry because you really are dealing with people's lives on a daily basis. And so when people working in that organization can connect to that purpose, it really makes them feel good about the products that they're putting out there that go onto airplanes. And it really makes them feel like they want to give it their all because they are dealing with people's lives. And so I think that purpose statement is so powerful. And if you're in an organization that really hasn't thought through what is the purpose or has that purpose been clearly communicated to the employee base, I would suggest that is something to do in the short term. If you need to hire some consultants to do that, fine, if you've got people internally, but really make that a priority to make sure your employees are being connected to the purpose of your business. Absolutely. And something that I think I'd like to hear your opinion on is You know, there are a lot of organizations who are doing some really cool things. And when I look at a certain company, let's talk about like GoDaddy, for example, for like technology. So I have a very bare minimum kind of understanding of technology. But if I wanted to work for that company, I could still find something within their organization that excites me. Right. So do you have any advice for individuals who maybe? have a desire to work for a company, but don't necessarily have a specific interest in like the product or service they provide? Well, I would say that, I mean, there's got to be some reason why you want to work for them, right? Well, if you don't have a vested interest in the technology as an example with GoDaddy, but for some reason you like the company culture, I mean, I think it's really about finding what is the reason that you want to work for that company. And again, it's connecting to that rationale or that purpose. And then it's really about aligning yourself to those elements of the business, because then that becomes your purpose, why you want to work for them. I would say most people do want to work for a company where they're interested in the products and services, but not everyone is that way. And so it's really about finding those other things that you can really connect with that make you excited about going to work there and connecting that. That's your purpose for wanting to be a part of that company. That makes a lot of sense. And so 
what advice would you give to someone who maybe feels stuck or stagnant in their current role within their company, but still wants to be someone who thrives and, and moves their career forward within that organization? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a time and place for every role, right? So that timing for being in a role is going to be different depending on the scope and the individual. So someone might feel like after 18 months, it's time to move on. Someone might be in a role for four years and still be learning and growing and thriving and they don't need to make a move. But when the time, I mean, I think the important question is you need to think about, are you learning and growing from this opportunity? So when you look at your career, people talk about what do you want to do in five, 10 years? And depending on where you're at in your career, that answer might be different. Some people might be looking at retirement. People that are earlier on still have a long runway to go when it comes to their career progression. And so when you understand what your longer term career goals are and where you want to go, you really need to be identifying what are the skills and things that I need to attain to then get to those next roles. Can you get those in the role that you're in? Sometimes the answer is no, and it's time to move on. And that's why you might be feeling stuck. And then if that's the case, you need to think about, okay, what are the skills that I also need to continue to get as I'm looking to build upon my career ladder and where I want to go? And then start thinking about what opportunities are there that I can then try to apply for, or also even in my current role, are there special projects that I can take on? This is where having a good conversation or a good relationship with your manager is important because you can have that dialogue with them about, hey, I really want to get some expertise in whatever subject. And there might be some projects that you can take on, some additional scope of responsibility. Now, to be able to do that, you've got to be performing in your current role or your manager's not likely going to support that. But it's really about thinking about what are the next steps? What are the skills? What are the scopes? of work that I want to continue to add to my experience set and then finding roles to be able to do that. Hopefully, if you're in a company that is large enough, there are other opportunities so you can stay internal, especially if the culture is great. Sometimes you do have to make a move externally, but I think it's really about just being mindful on, is this particular role serving me a purpose? Obviously, you have to be bringing value to the company as well, but you should be gaining some things out of that role too, in terms of fulfillment and experience and skills. And if you're not feeling like you're growing, then it's time to make a move. And understanding what skills and what things you need to obtain is important because that can help shape where you want to go in that next role. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And when I first started going to college, I had a professor that had mentioned that a lot of people went to college to get a degree so that they could get a job and work someplace for 30 years and then retire. And then that was the ideal career trajectory. And then now, especially with freelance opportunities and people working abroad and everything, the workplace has shifted so much that working 30 years within a single company isn't always the best career path for everyone. And so I'm interested in what your opinion is on someone who works to stay within an organization for a long time for consistency versus pursuing a career that maybe has multiple roles in multiple different organizations, but then still seems to grow skill-wise. Like, which do you think produces more satisfaction? 
I don't think there's one answer to that. It's bouncing around versus staying within a company your entire career or the bulk of a career. I think it really depends on the organization. Does the organization that you're in provide you those growth opportunities, provide you with enriching roles that you do feel fulfilled and it aligns with what your career goals are? Now, on the flip side, there's nothing wrong with also working in multiple organizations. Sometimes, like I said earlier, there's a time and place for a position and then there's a need to grow and to do something different so that you can continue to expand your skill set and feel like you're also contributing at a higher level. There might not be opportunities in your current organization to do that. And so you do need to make a move externally. That's going to depend on the size of the organization. That's going to depend on timing of roles and where people are. I mean, normally, especially in today's environment, you don't see as many creation of new roles. So someone is leaving a job for that role to be open for someone else to take. So it's really going to just depend on the circumstances. And if you're in a great company that's got that amazing culture, you might not want to look to move somewhere else. But if you're in an organization that is mediocre, then maybe you should make a move so that you can go on to something better that's going to help you learn and grow and get you to where you want to go. So there's no one answer. I do think you want to be mindful, though, of going to an organization for six months or a year. That is a short time. So I would encourage people to not do too many of those job hopping type of roles because employers see that and they then become concerned about, well, how long are you going to be in my organization? I'm making an investment in an employee. I have to train them. And then if they're just going to leave in six months to a year, that's never a good look. Now, the flip side of that is sometimes a role isn't a good fit. Do you have to stick it out for a year and a half to two years, two and a half years, just so that you can make a move and it not look suspicious? No, I would say as a one-time Thing. If a role is not a good fit, it has to be a mutually beneficial fit for not only the organization, but for you. Because when I was in big companies, I don't want an employee who is unhappy in my organization because they're not going to be bringing their best self to work. They're going to be checked out. The team is going to suffer. So I would rather have that person say, you know what, I don't think this is for me. It's time to move on as well. And I'm happy to help them. Also, because I want to make sure that people are in positions where they're thriving and they're growing. And then also, I want the best fit for my organization. So if you are feeling like you're in a spot and it's not the right fit, there's nothing wrong with moving on. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Speaking of things that organizations can do to really provide opportunities for the individuals who are already there, what role does continuous improvement or professional development play in an individual's ability to thrive within an organization? I think it's huge. I think it's so important. You're a part of the podcast team, Amanda, and you know that I have a lot of people on the show where we talk about that need to continuously improve, whether they're the pro athletes that have come on the show or successful business leaders. It's always about never being satisfied, always staying hungry and looking to grow and improve so that you can get to that next level. So I think that is important. And companies that provide opportunities for professional development have gotten it right. I mean, that's what you need to be offering for your teams. And it's not just about, oh, well, hey, here's a training. We've got some budget. We'll send you to this class. Yes, that's important to have external training opportunities, but also providing other opportunities within the company 
is good. I'll give you another example. One of the things that I've seen done very well is through employee resource groups. Now, not every company has them. Usually the bigger companies do, medium-sized companies do. Small businesses might not have these employee resource groups just because they don't have the volume of people to have them. But what I think is really good is where I've seen it done well is the employer resource groups are not just a check the box type of an exercise. You've got people who are in the leadership of these organizations that are looking at how can we have professional development lunch and learns and other activities like that. They might put on an annual conference, could be a virtual one in today's environment just because of budgets and trying to reduce expenses. But bringing people together to have these topics on professional development areas is important. And that could be career focus. That could be some technical competency within a functional area. But I think those types of activities are ones where employees really feel like they are being invested in by the employer and they'll want to stay because they feel like they're growing and being provided opportunities to do that. And the other thing with employee resource groups is it allows people to connect and network and you just learn from other individuals across the company that they might not be working with on a day-to-day basis too. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I would also kind of like to give you the opportunity to enjoy the full guest experience of being on your show and run through the two-minute drill. But before we do that, what would be advice that you would give to a leader who is considering looking at their personal development plan for or their professional development plan for their team for 2024? What recommendations would you give them to really set themselves apart as the place to be to thrive within their organization? So that's a great question. I think it's important as leaders as they're looking at how they can help their employees and enable them to move the ball. I think it's important to focus on, are you as the leader providing them? We've already talked about culture, which is, I think is important and purpose. So if you've got that down, that's good. If not, I would suggest that the leader thinks about how can I improve the culture? I think the other thing, which is very, very important is something that I talk about in or write about in my Dominate the Game book. And I've also mentioned it on the show quite a few times is this concept of managing the game clock. And in there, I discuss how we as individuals have a 24-hour game clock. We've got 1,440 minutes each and every day. And so we need to make sure that we are utilizing that time effectively and make sure that our team members, our employees, our direct reports are also doing the same. So as a leader and you're looking at your training and development plan, are you giving your employees resources to help them to be more productive? to continue to move the ball, to help them increase their technical competencies in different areas as well? Is there some personal development training you can give them in terms of mindset and coaching if they're not in that right state? This is an interesting time that we're living in. We've had the pandemic over the last couple of years, although we're no longer in a pandemic, according to the WHO, but we've got impending recession. There's all these things. And so people can be distracted. From that. So are you giving your teams tools for that to also help with their mental health and well-being? So I think those are important as well. Something else that I think is important for leaders to think about in my Move the Ball book, there is a chapter called What's in Your Playbook? And it's really about the strategies that you need to employ to be able to 
help your business get to the next level? So are you enabling your teams with the right information to be able to develop those effective strategies to achieve their business objectives? So I think those are some considerations that leaders should be thinking about. And then just going back to that managing the game club piece, it's really about are you enabling them to perform at that optimum level through processes and systems. I mean, I work with a lot of organizations on looking at their processes and doing a deep dive on how are ways that they can be more effective as a team collectively, as well as how do they enable their individuals to be more productive. So I know that's a long answer to your question, but I think it's an important one. There's a lot of things to think through as a leader to help get your team moving in the right direction and to elevating and to dominating. I agree. That's awesome. So we're wrapping up our time here and I wanted to run you through the two-minute drill. Are you ready to go? Oh boy. Yes, I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. First question. What are three words that you would use to describe yourself? It's funny because I always look forward to people's answers. And then now as I'm like, oh my goodness, what three words am I going to say? <laughs> uh, so, so I mean, I would say for my three words, I would say I am energetic, if you couldn't tell. I am passionate. And I am going to use a word that probably nobody else has used, which is I am a boundary pusher, meaning I'm not afraid to test those limits and to push. And I think you can see that when you look at the growth of this movement and the people that have come on the show and the things that I get to do. Absolutely. I would agree with all of those. All right. So what is one thing that most people don't know about you? One thing people don't know about me, which I don't know if it's really that important, but it is something about me is that I skipped 11th grade. Wow. I didn't know that. And I've known you for a really long time. So <laughs> yes. interesting. <laughs> okay. Would you rather be the world champion of your sport or the CEO of a billion dollar company and why? It's a great question. And I'm sure most people probably think they know what I'm going to say to this given the show, but I would actually say I would want to be the CEO of a billion dollar company. I'm sure a lot of people, because I am such a sports girl, would think I would want to be the world champion of a sport, which I would not complain about. But if I had to choose between one, for me, it is the CEO of a billion-dollar company because I'm very much big on leadership and impact. Not that you can't do that in the sports setting, but some people may know when I was growing up, my goal was to be a Fortune 500 CEO. And if you are a Fortune 500 CEO, then you are running a billion-dollar company. So for me, I think that one would be that. But it's really, aside from just that personal tie, it really gives you the ability to reach a large group of people and make a big impact on individuals as well as just on the world through the products and services that your company provides. Makes sense. So what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to other than Move the Ball? Yes, and I do listen. So everyone knows I do listen to every single episode of the show because it allows me to, again, appreciate that experience of having conversations with my guests and taking away so many pieces of information from their perspective. So I do listen to Move the Ball every week. But the book that I just finished reading, which it's called Sell It Like Sirhan, which is all about selling real estate, because some people may know that I do have a real estate license and I do help people across the country when it comes to moving and relocating. So Ryan Sirhan has been on Million Dollar List in New York. He has a show called Sell It Like Sirhan. I've never seen the shows, but the book is very interesting. So if you 
are interested in learning about real estate sales for some reason, it's definitely a good book. So that's a book that I just finished reading. Awesome. So if you could have any one song played at any of your public appearances, what would it be? That's a great question. And when I ask people on the show that, it's interesting because they'll think about it for a while and maybe you could do this as a stalling tactic, but it's not. I have an answer <laughs> to that, which is I would do the Black Eyed Peas Let's Get It Started because it's an energetic, upbeat song. And for me, it's really about showing up the right way every single day and to everything that you do. So I think that would be the song for me. I love it. So what would your next career move be if you were guaranteed to succeed? I would own a coffee shop, actually. It's something that I just think would be fun. And it's interesting because I'm not a coffee connoisseur or whatever the right name is, but I've always just wanted to have a little shop that or I would be a bartender because I enjoy meeting people and connecting. I don't drink. So it's not about the drinking aspect, but it's really about just connecting with other people. So this might be a retirement gig for me. You'll see. Who knows? But I just think it would be fun to have a small business, like an actual brick and mortar business where you're serving coffee or beer and just being able to connect with so many people and just learn about backgrounds and and have stores. I am an extrovert. Yes. <laughs> so that would be my, that would be my next thing. I know it's very different than everything that I'm doing now, but you know, sometimes you got to go in a different direction if you have the opportunity. I hear that. I would definitely come visit your brick and mortar shop any day. Thank you. Okay. Last question. You have 24 hours in a private plane that will take you anywhere. Where are you going? Fiji. I knew that one. (laughs) So I've been to Fiji before. I mean, there's so many great places that I have been to across the world. There's places I'll want to go, but I really enjoyed my experience in Fiji and I got to whitewater raft on the river. And so it's something that I would like to do again. Awesome. Okay. So bonus question, M&Ms, plain or peanut? Peanut, definitely peanut. And I've alluded to that on the show before when I asked guests that. So I'm sure that comes as no surprise. (laughs) I love it. So Jen, we're wrapping up here. Do you have any last words of advice or anything that you want to leave our guests with before we say goodbye? Yeah, I think that thriving in organizations and also just accelerating in your career really comes down to how you show up every single day. So what I want to do is I want to challenge those listening. How are you showing up each day? If you are a leader, and I believe no matter what your title is, we all are leaders. But if you are organizationally a leader or a manager or someone who is in a position of responsibility, are you showing up in a way that is enabling and empowering your team members? to also show up the right way and to be at their best level. And if you're just an individual contributor, you are still a leader, I would argue. But again, look at how are you showing up to each and every day. And that's not just in the business context. When it comes to everything that you do in life and every goal that you have, are you showing up in a way and acting in accordance with the way that you want to, to be able to get you to achieve those goals. So that would be my takeaway from today. Just think about how are you showing up? Are you enabling other people? You showing up the right way to be able to get things done that you need to get done. I love it. All right. Well, thanks for chatting with me, Jen. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks, Amanda, for doing this. I really love this interview style conversation. And again, I'm so thankful for the person that suggested that. So thank you. I hope that you all found this show to be insightful and value added. And you got to learn a little bit more about me, too. I talked earlier about these career topics that I've done shows on about navigating and accelerating your career, tips for effective networking. We just did a show on 10 ways to be mentally strong. If those are topics that you're interested in, I would suggest going and checking those out. I will have links in the show notes. 
for those episodes so they will be easy for you to find. And as I always do too, I think it's important that we ask for help. That's another thing that I didn't mention about thriving organizations. I think when it comes to culture, having the courage to ask for help when you need it, that is not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength. And cultures that allow people to feel comfortable doing that um, are ones that I would say are organizations that are thriving. And so I'm going to ask for help today in that if you know somebody that you think would benefit from listening to the show, I would ask that you would share this with them. If you know people that are in companies that are interested in how can they help their organization to continue to thrive, share this show with those people as well. So that is my ask for you today. All right. Thanks again for listening. And we will catch you next time. As always, I'm going to say it. Yep. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thanks for listening to Move the Ball, everybody. If you were inspired by this episode, can you do me a favor and let me know? Go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. And also, share the show with a few friends, too. Next, I want you to go to GetInsideTheHuddle.com and join our email list. This will give you priority access to tips and strategies that will help you get more done today. Not tomorrow, not next week, today. You got that? Okay, until next time.